Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts this evening. All right. A great message in song and a great message from afar. Uh, our missionaries do a great work, our ministry partners around the world. We certainly thank the Lord for them and all that they do and, and all that they go through. We certainly need to pray for them. And, um, you know, we, uh, these changes don't catch us by surprise. We occasionally have to, have to make transitions in, in some of these areas. Um, in our packet, we do also encourage our missionaries to prepare for the future and, and uh, set up a fund for retirement and different things like that. And so we encourage them to do that. hope they will. And uh, so we, we look forward to them being able to make the transition well and uh, to make sure their needs are, are uh, met. And uh, that's why often you hear us say we're going to support them through the end of the year uh, or something of that nature uh, just to help them in that transition, give them that grace period, uh, give them time and plenty of uh, opportunity to uh, prepare for those adjustments. And uh, we're glad to be able to do that and to work with them. And uh, we appreciate the great work they've done. And uh, those that that we're transitioning away from support. Uh, we certainly appreciate uh, all that they've done. And we think of families like the Ariano family. Boy, two brothers in heaven today. And, uh, hey, we'd rather be still supporting them, you know, but God chose to take them home. And so uh, we can't argue with that. Uh, we'll just have to have a reunion one day around the throne and uh, celebrate all the great things they were able to accomplish in their life and ministry. And it was great to be a part of it. Amen. And that's what we have to say. It was our privilege to support them while we could and while they were here, uh, serving the Lord and doing great things. Acts chapter 4, if you have found the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. And uh, looking at some work very similar to our mission work right here in the book of Acts. As the disciples uh, take hold of the ministry God gave them, setting their world on fire. Let's pick up right here in verse 1. We're going to pray first and read down through verse 13. So let's have prayer together. Father, how we do love your word tonight. We love you and we thank you for the privilege to be gathered together again on a Sunday evening. Now, Lord, this is our uh, second opportunity to be blessed by good uh, fellowship with Christian friends and also, Lord, to be blessed by the reading of your word and uh, prayer together. We just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, and we just ask that you would use this time that we have in your word. Lord, we pray you'd speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, let us see a little bit of ourselves in the scriptures tonight. Show us what you'd have us do and how we may learn from what we read tonight. Lord, I pray you'd lead us and guide us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, verse 1, the Bible says in Acts 4, And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, if you just pause and remember, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. All right? And verse 3, the Bible says, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, 
They asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we be examined this day, uh, examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Notice the last part of verse 13. It says they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to preach on that thought, evidences of companionship with Christ. And uh, what a difference it makes to walk with Jesus. Amen? Thank you. You may be seated. Acts chapter 4, verse 13, uh, verse 13 verses here. A powerful testimony uh, of what God can do through a few people who are sold out to Him. We see evidence of Christ, and so did those who examined the disciples. They looked on their lives. They watched their, their service and their behavior. And the Bible says they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to ask you tonight, what was it that made it so obvious that these men had been with Christ? What stood out? What made people know? What connected the apostles, the disciples here, and, and the service they were rendering? What connected them to Jesus so clearly in the eyes of their examiners? Well, there's a few things that we can find in this text that tell us about these men and the difference that they made so that their association with Christ, their connection with Him became apparent. The first one, I believe, is what we want to talk about first, is found in the very next verse. Verse 14, notice the Bible says, And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. I want you to notice, first of all, these disciples uh, were big in their faith. They were big in their faith. You know, I wonder tonight, our perspective, our evaluation of faith is very important because that is what determines everything else in our Christian life. We find here that the disciples were big in their faith. You see, the bigness of your God will show in your living. It'll show in your giving also. How big is your God tonight? I wonder. You know, the disciples, uh, listen, they served a big God. They knew he was able to do great things. Therefore, they were not hesitant to attempt great things. Back up with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 3 in verse number 1. What was this big thing that they attempted? The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, 
Baptist preacher. But such as I have, give I thee. (laughs) In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Can you imagine what this man must have been thinking as he heard these words? In amazement, he heard this pronouncement. Rise up and walk. The Bible says in verse 7, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. As he was uh, rising, the Bible says immediately, his uh, feet and ankle bones received strength. He could feel the change as he stood to his feet. In verse 8, he, leaping up, stood and walked, entering with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. You know, think about this story. This was a man who was born lame. He had never walked in his life. And Peter's attempting this great rescue. Here he comes with, with uh, you know, this big faith that he has. And he, and he extends an offer to this man to be healed. Look upon us, he says. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, the bigness of our God, how big God is to us. How big we see our God as being tonight. Think about that. That does affect what we're willing to attempt in his name. Peter and John saw the bigness of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw him calm the winds and the waves. They said, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the seas obey him. Oh, listen, they were big in their faith. What really sealed the deal for them was the resurrection of Christ. It changed their lives. Of all the things they witnessed before that time, when Jesus was crucified, they went and hid. But when he arose from the grave, when they saw the resurrected Jesus, they were emboldened, they were empowered, and their faith grew. And through that, they became big in their faith. Hey, I want to tell you, you and I need to do what Peter suggested. To grow in Christ, we need to add, don't we, to our faith. It only takes a little faith. As Jesus said, the faith of a grain of mustard seed. It only takes a little faith to come to Christ and be saved by the grace of God to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and to be cleansed in His blood. But the more we attempt for God, the more our faith would have to grow. And so Peter said in 2 Peter, add to your faith. You know, the Bible talks about little faith. And it talks about great faith. Hey, what kind of faith do you have tonight? What is the size of your faith? How big is your faith? It's an important question because it will determine what you're willing to attempt for God. As we see these men, whom when others saw them, they acknowledged they have been with Jesus. How could they know that? Because their faith was big. But not only that, they were big in their faith. Number two, they were bold in their witness. Look at verse 13, if you would. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. At the same time, they beheld the boldness of Peter and John. They also were seeing the, the, the fact that they were unlearned and ignorant. They were uneducated, backward men, country folks. But in love with Jesus and, and, and willing to follow and serve him, they were bold in their witness. The Bible says they saw the boldness 
of Peter and John. Look at verse 31. The Bible says there, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what is the sign of the filling of the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer is next. It says, And they spake the word of God with boldness. The power of the Holy Spirit is given for, for many things, but the main thing, it's for the power to witness. The Holy Spirit wants to witness of our Savior. And he, working through these disciples, uh, certainly was able to do that. And the Bible tells us that when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they became bold in their witness. Notice verse 33. It says, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. What made their companionship with Christ so obvious? Well, they were big in their faith, but we see here they were bold in their witness. Hey, I want you to know, if you have to pass out gospel tracts in trembling and in fear, if you don't have the boldness that they have yet, it's okay. But you're never going to get there if you don't grow past that trembling and trepidation. Right? I'd rather see somebody passing out a track while they're a little nervous, a little scared to do it, than not pass them out at all because they're scared. Do it afraid. Do it nervous. Stumble through it. People have said, well, pastor, I'm afraid to witness to somebody. I'm afraid I might mess it up. (laughs) Friend, you can't mess up the gospel. The Bible says, preach the gospel to every creature. John 3, 18 tells us without Christ, they're condemned already. You can't mess it up any worse than it already is. Without Jesus, they're going straight to hell. If you can draw an arrow, you can point them to Christ. That's all that needs to be done. Make it as simple as you can. Tell them the part you know. Amen? Uh, give Give them something that contains the rest if you can. But be bold in your witness. Bold enough to extend that witness out. The disciples certainly did that. Hey, tonight, how bold is your witness? How big is your faith? These are the questions we need to be asking so that our faith is apparent. Our companionship with Christ is apparent in this time which we live. Big in their faith, bold in their witness. Oh, but that's not all. Go with me to verse 18. And the Bible says there that these disciples were brave in their stand. In verse 18, remember, they were being examined by the leadership of their day. They, they, were, they were under the inquisition of the spiritual leaders of their time. And the Bible says in verse 18, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. What are you going to do with that? But Peter and John answered and said unto them, They didn't say it after them. They didn't say it behind them. They said to them, watch what they said, whether it be right in the sight of God, to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. And then in verse 20, they honestly proclaim, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Can you imagine that? Peter, Peter is brave As he answers their charge, 
they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter didn't just cave in and agree to that. It would go against what God commanded him to do. That's against the, the great commission and the call of God on our lives as Christians. We cannot comply with that request or that, that dictate, that command. We cannot comply with that. And so Peter and John said, is it greater to, to obey you or God? Judge ye. He said, but we cannot help but, but speak the things we've seen and heard. In other words, he said, we can't help but talk about Jesus. He's our everything. We've been with him. And we can only tell what we know. They were brave in their stand. They were willing to answer their accusers. They were willing to speak to those, respectfully, by the way, respectfully speak to those who were in authority at that time, but they did not comply with the command to abstain from teaching in Jesus' name. And they told them so. As a matter of fact, in verse 21, it says, So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Hey, you know, notice it says, for the people. For the people. You see that? You can write next to, your, next to that verse in your margin. If you're a good Bible student, just mark that phrase and out in the notes there, put peer pressure. Peer pressure doesn't just affect children and teenagers. It affects people. And we all feel the pressure that comes from our peers. And I want you to see that because I want you to know that peer pre positive peer pressure is found in the Word of God. And it is something that you and I need to utilize in our society today. We need positive peer pressure pushing back, supporting those who want to stand for what's right in our day. There are good civil leaders who want to take a stand for what's right, but they don't feel the support behind them. They don't feel the pushback from conservatives and Christians and parents like they should. And so the constant, the constant pressure from the left it, it is, causes them to cave in after a while. Just like Pilate. How do you get a strong military leader to go against his own conscience, violate his own decree, and kill an innocent man? The Bible says it was loud voices that caused him to do that. Loud voices. Hey, listen, before we criticize our leaders, our community leaders, our school boards, hey, listen, stop and think for a moment. What voices are they hearing? Friends, we need to speak up in our day. We need to stand up in our day. We need to show up in our day. And we need to be brave in our stand. We need to, we need to lift up the name of Christ and stand up for what's right. And we need to push back against the tidal wave of sin that seems to be overflowing us in our day. Hey, how brave tonight is your stand? The apostles were willing to say to them, we can't help but speak in the name of Jesus. We're going to do it. Isn't that something? We will not comply. They didn't say it that way, but that's, that's what they were saying. The power of their testimony. They were brave in their stand. So we see the evidence of their companionship for, for, with Christ. 
The fact that they had been with Jesus was showing itself in their life because they were big in their faith, bold in their witness, brave in their stand. And oh, there's one more in this chapter. Something else that stands out. It seems miraculous. But we find as we look further, these men and others were bountiful in their giving. Would you look at verse 34? The Bible says there in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Isn't that something? Hey, tonight, they were able to uh, take that, and uh, they, they were willing. They had a heart for the Lord and for his work. They had a heart for others. And so they brought that money and they laid it at the apostles' feet that distribution might be made as was seen fit by them. Hey, I think it's a great thing. This is the biblical reason why I often say, if you can't trust your leader with, with the finances, that you got the wrong leader. Right? We, we find that, that God's word gives clear instruction. We find that these men had big hearts. They had a brave stand, but they, were, they had bountiful hands. Bountiful hands in that they were willing to give. Hey, tonight, I'm not saying we ought to sell everything we own and bring all the money. Look, that's what God led them to do. I just wonder this tonight. When God nudges you to give, do you obey Him? Is giving a part of the practice of your faith and your Christianity? You know, in our services, when we receive an offering, that, that's not some just ceremonial thing we do. That's part of our worship. Giving is something we do for God. Hey, you know, when we drop that tithe and that offering in the plate right there, do you know who we give that to? You say, well, it's made out to Beckwith Baptist Church. Yes, but it's only made out to Beckwith Baptist Church because that's where God said to deposit it. But our gift is not to Beckwith Baptist Church. Our gift is to our Lord and Savior. And why do we give week after week and month after month and year after year? Why do we give money to, to the church and money to missions and all the extra things? We do it because we love Jesus. We do it because of what He means to us. We give it to Him. And in the book of Malachi, God told us where to put it. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. He was talking about his house, the local church. Why do we do that? He said, he gave us a reason, that there may be meat in mine house. Meat was substance, resources, the ability to function and meet needs. I have to tell you what, the, re the reason often, often, the reason why we have weak, anemic churches that can't accomplish what God wants them to do is because people don't get around them and give and do what God wants them to do. That's easy to preach here because this is a giving church. We, we don't have a history of that. Praise God. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of churches out there tonight that are struggling. They, there's no meat in the house. They're, they don't have the resources 
to do what they need to do. They are scraping by. It's good that they get by. I can't tell you how many churches are like that. If I were to put it into a percentage, at least in small churches, I'd say it's probably something like 70 or 80 percent. It's enormous. It's huge. And when you're a part of a church like that that's struggling to survive, hey, I'm telling you, it's stressful. It makes you look around and say, where, where are God's people? What is going on? It's pretty sad when we'll, when we'll lay more down at the restaurant table than what we will put in the offering plate at church. That's a sad day, friend. Where's our bounty? Well, the disciples, they led by example. They teach us by the things they did themselves. Here is a bountiful one like Barnabas. Notice we have different names, Peter and John. This time it's Barnabas. They're all teaching us something of what they've learned following Christ. And you know what that means to us? It means that we should be learning something following Christ. We should be growing in these areas as well. You and I should, should have a faith that is growing, right? To us, it should be big, bold in our witness. Our boldness needs to be growing and increasing. Our stand, uh, we need to get brave as we stand for the Lord and, and, and we're willing to show up and stand up and speak up for Him. And then in our bounty, in our giving, as we practice our giving uh, each week and each month, we should be growing in this area of bounty and, and giving and practicing and thanking God for what He's done. What does this kind of giving mean? Well, for them, notice, it says they sold the land and they bought the money. They brought the money. That's, that, they gave it all. Sometimes we read the story of the widow woman in the Bible and her two mites, and, and we say, well, that's the only place where somebody just gave all they had. No, here's another one. One of the churches I attended years ago, they had an annual practice on a certain day of the year they had an annual practice of having a give-it-all Sunday, is what they called it. What was the purpose of that? They wanted to grow. They wanted to help others grow in their, in their giving. To learn to become bountiful. So here was the idea. This is the way they taught it. They said, look, the idea is to be able to give in one offering the amount of your week's pay. And you know the first time I heard that. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> right? I was just a young man. I'd never given that much money. But I had frequently given all I had. But it wasn't that much. So at the time, for me, that was a lot of growth. I said, hey, I, whew, man, I don't know if I can do this. Well, so they would always start announcing weeks ahead of time. They would tell us, save up for this. Save up so you can do this. And many people got excited. Hey, I know one man gave his testimony. He said, I wanted to do this. I wanted to give the whole, the whole amount. I wanted to give it to the Lord. And so instead of, he did save up and, and prepared so he could give 100%, right? But he said instead of giving from what he saved, he, he gave that week's paycheck, signed it over. I said, wow. And you know, for him, that was a big deal. He was so excited. He said, I, I did it. 
If our offering is a gift to our Savior, then imagine what that must feel like to be able to set a goal like that. And by the way, you set your own goal, right? We don't really do it like that. We haven't done it like that here. Set your own goal and grow in your giving. I'm just saying tonight, it's great to become bountiful. And this bounty is evidence of being with Christ because there's no one who's given more than Jesus. There's no one more worthy of our sacrifices and our offerings and our giving than he is. And that's why I remind us tonight when we give, it's not just to the church we give, it's to the Lord that we give. And that's why we receive an offering during the service. It's part of our worship. When we give to God, we're, we're worshiping him through that expression of our gift. It's a big thank you for the way he's blessed us. And that's certainly the way it was meant in this text as we read it. Can you imagine Barnabas coming with any other motive on his heart? But just a big thank you to Jesus. He was so excited about what God meant to him. And he gave. Bountifully he gave. At that time, he was setting records. Boy, no one had, no one had done that before. No one had heard of that before. Here was old Barnabas coming. Hey, tonight, how bountiful is your giving? How big is your God? How bold is your witness? How brave is your stand? How bountiful is your giving? Hey, these are the things that will help us grow tonight. You know, and when we grow in these areas, guess what? Others around us will take knowledge too that we've been with Jesus. These are things that will make your light shine. Let's ask God to help us that we might be all of this as we follow the Lord. Let's grow in Him. Let's grow in grace and in our faith as well. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you so much for the testimony of these disciples and how their lives shine as such an example to us. Their growth is apparent. And Lord, how zealous they were, not holding anything back. They were just willing to be dedicated, sold out for you. Help us to do the same. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed. If God's speaking to your heart tonight, let me extend this opportunity, this invitation for you to respond and pray about the things in your life and, and what God might be leading you to do, helping you to be, to be bold and big and brave and bountiful. What great descriptions of a faithful servant. I submit to you tonight, Barnabas, Peter, John, all of these guys, they certainly were all of that. Maybe on different levels from each other, but all following the Lord. And that's how I ought to be here as we follow him too. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you for your presence, for your word. Lord, how we thank you for your spirit guiding us. We pray you'd lead us and show us where you'd have us to grow. What do we need to work on? Lord, how can we shine better for Jesus? How can we be a better witness? Help us with all of these things, Lord, that we might truly please you and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, one day. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.